Join our global community of travel lovers at zerototravel.com. Zero to Travel Audio Adventures presents Trekking Nepal Addendum. On April 25, 2015, Nepal was hit by a violent 7.8 magnitude earthquake. Almost 9,000 people lost their lives. At least 22,000 were injured. There were avalanches on Mount Everest. Entire villages were destroyed without a single house left standing. And several historic temples in the Kathmandu Valley collapsed to rubble. The earthquake was caused by a sudden thrust or release of built-up stress along the major fault line where the Indian plate carrying India is slowly diving underneath the Eurasian plate carrying much of Europe and Asia. Kathmandu, which is sitting on a block of crust approximately 120 kilometers wide and 60 kilometers long, reportedly shifted three meters to the south in a matter of just 30 seconds. We have just been on a road trip in America. We were on our way back to Boulder. From Utah? From Utah. And we were in our friend's house uh, to pick up some stuff in Whale. You were checking your phone for for news and then you came out and you were telling me like, oh my God, this, it's been like a really bad earthquake. And that was really, that was just after it happened. So we didn't know much, but we got really upset. And I think immediately you, you sent the email to Samir to ask if he was okay. And then we came back to Boulder, we followed the news and to check in and it was just getting worse and worse of how many people have died. And you saw pictures and saw places that we've been to that was destroyed. It was devastating. And you see something like that on TV and you can, of course, relate and empathize and feel compassion. And I think it can really even go to another level when you just spent time there and you were interacting with these people. You know, we were with these people and we passed some of these people on the street. Chances are some of the people we passed on the street or interacted with are no longer alive because of this earthquake. And then of course, our connection with Samir and Mingmar and wondering about them and then their families, where they live, like in Kathmandu for Samir and his wife and his child, and then also the villages they come from. And knowing those aren't the most stable structures that are built in the villages and that it was just devastating and how hard it is to to live up there and get supplies up into the mountains and everything like that and the communication and everything, the infrastructure is not... Yeah, and you know. we were obviously also thinking about the, the Manaslu track, places we stayed there, and mm-hmm. because it was very close to the epicenter, we were worried. It's just a tragedy. Yeah, yeah, it is. A, a tragedy for Nepal, the people, and... and Samir and Mingmar are okay. Yeah, both of them are okay. We, we got to hear from Samir after a couple of days, um, the... It was hard to for him to connect out of Nepal. People were sleeping outside, lighting yeah. fires in the um, city. Yeah, but we were very relieved to hear from him. And then we also got, uh, we asked obviously about Mingmar. And in the beginning we didn't know, but I think after a week we got the news that he uh, he also was okay. But his, um, his village was pretty destroyed, I think, and they needed to build up again. Also, uh, Samir and his family had to stay. They were living in a tent 
outside in Kathmandu for a long time before they could move back into their house because they were afraid the place they live in would collapse after the earthquake. And they're still having a hard time after the earthquake. Samir being Samir, he has rallied and been helping rebuild the school and some of the other houses in the village that he comes from. And so he'd been taking trips there, raising funds and buying supplies and helping to rebuild his village up there. The people of Nepal are resilient. They will rebuild their country. They've had to do it before. In 1934, a powerful earthquake shook Kathmandu to the ground, and many of the ancient temples and monuments were rebuilt and restored. It is safe to travel there again, but it's always good to seek foreign travel advice before you go, which you can find online or at the Nepalese embassy. Ask questions when you are there, too. Ask the locals. There may be electricity blackouts and fuel shortages. The economic hardship after the earthquake led to the rise of a black market, causing fuel and transportation issues, which could be a problem for getting buses around the country. It's just something to be aware of. Don't let it stop you from going. You will be helping by visiting Nepal. Tourism is one of their main sources of independent income. Earthquake prediction is an immature science. In fact, some believe that it is impossible. In poor countries like Nepal, much of the damage and loss of life is caused by a lack of infrastructure and resources that allow buildings to withstand violent tremors. Nepal is one of the most earthquake-prone areas in the world, but we decided there's nothing you can do about that. You don't know when an earthquake is going to strike. It's just part of the risk of going to that area of the world, and that's the same for any country you go to. There are always risks involved, but it's just as dangerous getting into your car and taking a drive at home. Anything can happen at any time, anywhere, whether you're home or away. So certainly the risk of an earthquake was not enough to stop us from going trekking in Nepal. I think about the kids in Nepal a lot every day. I have this beaded necklace that I wear almost every day from Nepal and it's like a talisman for me. It's a reminder of these kids and like the conditions they live in every day and the people up there every day. So when I put it on, I try to use it to remind myself of how much we have to be grateful and that we're lucky for what we have. So it's a small thing, but when I put it on, I get that five to 10 second thought of that place and that there's people living all over the world in different circumstances. And if I am feeling ungrateful, I'm being an idiot and I should get my gratitude back. It's funny because there was a comedian we watched that had a whole bit on men wearing necklaces that mean something and how she thought it was total BS and, and making fun of it. And I, it was hysterical. She was like from Jersey and um, she was like basically calling out guys that wear necklaces that mean something that it was hilarious. And it, it is funny when you think about it, cause it sounds like dramatic, but, um, but proudly I do this for myself and um, it's a nice reminder uh, of what we have. And that changes my everyday life in the way that I I feel like at least it gives me another another memory or another 
experience to hold on to that enhances my gratitude for everything that we have in our lives. And I think a lot of things that you get out of a trip, you know, beyond that, you can't always see right away or don't even materialize into your life right away sometimes. It's stuff that you can lean on throughout your life in different circumstances. That's what travel can do for you as a person. Seeing those kids in Nepal, they got us talking more seriously about having our own kid. Our trip to Nepal was our second honeymoon. And even though we had been talking about having it before, this was like the, the first time when we really talked seriously about it. We also have been talking about adoption and that there is a lot of young children in the world that need a home and that's still a possibility for us. But I guess you have some breaking news. <laughs> yes, we are actually two days past our due date. Anna Dorta got pregnant the following year after our trip and now we're waiting our first child. So it all started in Nepal. Magical things happen in Nepal. It's true. Nepal inspired us. This audio adventure series has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to help make any of your travel dreams a reality. Join our global community of travel lovers at ZeroToTravel.com. <laughs>